0: Interviews and insights with the biggest names in Canadian baseball. This is the CBN Podcast.
1: Welcome everyone to a special episode of the Canadian Baseball Network Podcast. Today we will be discussing a, a pretty hot topic in Toronto. Um, it's the Blue Jays 2022-2023 offseason. Um, a lot of moves, Jackson.
0: You know, it was an interesting offseason based on a lot of sort of fan favorites leaving, you know, a different direction for sure. Um, but a clear message, I think, sent from the front office. And I think this is a deeper, better ball club, frankly, uh, heading into 2023.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll dive. We're going obviously going to dive into all of that. But let's just kind of go back to when the season ended, obviously, in heartbreaking fashion. Um, you know, a Castillo jam and a blown lead. And that was the end of, uh, you know, six months of pretty exciting baseball.
0: You're right. It was just very abrupt. I think that's a good word for it and disappointing. You know, this is a team that was hosting the wild card. 92 wins in the AL East is never easy. And a team that has, you know, obviously, some people categorize that that loss in the wild card series as a mischance for this core, right? Vladdy and Bo still pretty cheap, right? Um, Teoscar was still around and still under control. Springer still young-ish <laughs> on that contract, um, albeit with the injuries, et cetera. You know, Manoa, still cheap and controllable. It just felt like the core of this team was very much primed to go on a run. And it would have been a good timing for that. But sports and baseball do not care about your individual timing. <laughs> and that became very apparent. Um, Seattle outplayed them. Seattle was a really good team, as we'll get to. I, I think some of the themes that emerged this offseason came directly from that series.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny now thinking back. I I did a piece for the Canadian Baseball Network before the season started, Uh, three reasons why the Jays would win the AL East and three reasons why they wouldn't. And one of those one of the themes of why they would would be, you know, kind of getting over that heartbreak of the last day of the season in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, now we're sitting here. Over a year later, and it's now talking about the heartbreak of that wild card series loss. And I think that narrative kind of goes away now because it, it's kind of put up or shut up for the Jays as they've shown with these moves. And uh, you know the fan base is getting antsy to to you know see some successful in a long deep playoff run.
0: Yeah, and and so you take a look at, at some of the needs that the Jays had entering this offseason, as you said, sort of back to back disappointing ends to seasons, right? Obviously the big one for the last couple of years has been balancing the lineup a little bit, right? Trying to get some more um, quality left-handed hitting Um, the Jays for really the last two years had been predominantly right-handed. Their best hitters were right-handed and that's not necessarily a bad thing on the surface, you know, but I think what it did was just make the Jays a little predictable when it came to their at-bats. Righties, right-handed starting pitchers were easily able to work through the lineup because they could target the same locations in the zone time and time again against right-handed hitters there wasn't a lot of shift in the strategy needed right um especially the middle of their lineup last year uh, you've got guys like Chapman who were really three true outcome players right a walk a strikeout or a home run Teoscar would get his base hits but he was largely the same thing and so you sort of had this this lineup that just didn't feel nimble enough to go on a deep run you know it felt like if they ran into a really good pitcher i.e. luis castillo <laughs> or a really good bullpen like Seattle had that they would have issues. And while they were able to generate offense in the second game, we know that uh, how that one ended, but it, it wasn't just the wild card series. It was really throughout the season, Matt. It felt like in many cases, this lineup was just inconsistent. They never really got going all at once. And I think part of that was because of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did not have the same year as he did in 2021. Bo Bichette struggled at times as well. There were injuries, right? Springer was injured throughout the year. Um, Jansen was injured throughout the year and could never really get going
1: yeah I, I mean I would agree with most of that. I think yeah over a course of 162 games and you know not having that kind of diversity in the lineup as far as right left um, can be you know it's, it feels like you're rolling the same lineup out there every night and depending on the pitch you're facing that can be you know provide serious issues
0: mm-hmm. yeah and and so then to add on to that of course you had sort of questionable outfield defense at times it felt like you know, Springer is still a very good center fielder, um, but inching closer to the average than the above average.
1: I think the thing with Springer too is is, is that's kind of the, as they say, the straw that stirs the drink. Mm-hmm. And when you when you take a guy like that out of the lineup consistently, you know, um, for long stretches, fans may not realize how important that is to have that guy in the lineup. And you see it when he plays. I mean, you saw it when Houston, when he played, you know, he, he was the, you know, the, he kickstarted that lineup there. He kickstarts this one. So it's a very important for him to be in the lineup.
0: And he's such a unique leadoff hitter, right? A guy who has obviously the pedigree and the World Series MVP and all that, but the power coming in the in the leadoff spot, which isn't always the case. Now, I think the game is moving closer to a guy who can hit for power and one, putting one of your best hitters in leadoff spot as opposed to just someone who's fast and gets on base. But you're totally right. And I think that that was clearly a directive for the Jays this off season, was, how are we going to make it So that George Springer, one of the most important players in this lineup still, despite his age, um, is healthy and can play more than um, what he's played the last two years. And hopefully you can get, you know, 140 games out of him and a ton of innings out of him now in right field based on the additions.
1: Well, and that's the thing. I think taking him out of center and Mm -hmm. kind of taking that defensive pressure off of him, he's more than capable of still playing it, I believe. Uh, But taking that defensive kind of him having to be the guy out there patrolling center and taking control. now it's Kevin Kiermeyer who they acquired this offseason. I think that's going to be uh, big and getting him off his feet. There's some flexibility around the designated hitter position and just giving him, you know, days off. That's just part of it as you get older as a player. Um people say playing on the turf doesn't help, but you know, it's a long season. You know, a few days off here and there, you know, isn't gonna isn't going to make or break the team.
0: And since we're talking about the outfield, I mean, we'll get to the rotation and we'll get to the bullpen in a second. But let's talk about that first big move that the Jays made this offseason. We're not going to talk about every single move they've made, you know, um, designated for assignments and things like that. We're not going to go through that. The big stuff that happened, sort of the big transformative moves. And the first one was, well, San Hernandez got traded uh to the Seattle Mariners for Eric Swanson um and left-handed pitcher Adam Macko who is currently the eighth ranked Toronto prospect via mlb.com so Teoscar a guy who represented so much uh, about the greatness of this Jays team you know the big smile but also um, a big bat in the middle of the lineup a guy who ha- has kind of made his name here sort of as an unheralded acquisition way back and and a guy who his two, the knock, the two knocks on him were didn't play great defense and struck out way too much, way too susceptible to the slider. And he really made adjustments. I'd say in both areas, he improved defensively, although he's certainly not um, Kevin Kiermaier or anything like that out there. But he he represented a lot of good about this Jays rebuild. And, and he was a surprise. Everyone knew about the blue chip prospects, Vladdy and Bo coming up. Right. But, but Teoscar was a guy who was already a little bit established in the majors and, and really just found his role here. And, and I think that fans were really upset when he got moved because, you know, let's be honest, like he was, he was a huge part of this team. He was one of the most productive hitters in all of baseball here for the last few years. And a lot of people said, okay, well, so you traded, Te- you know, this fan favorite, great hitter for a bullpen arm and a pitching prospect.
1: Yeah, it's, you know what, I when I first saw this deal, my initial reaction was, what what is going on here? Obviously, mm-hmm. I'd love to see Adam Macko come back home mm-hmm. um, to Canada. But I think, you know, I started thinking about it and there's so many moving parts, you know. Tay Oscar, last year of his contract, you know, going to hit free agency. Is he one of those core guys that you're going to shell out money to when you have Bo and Vladdy to pay? Probably not they needed to upgrade the bullpen. You know, everyone knows that, it, you know, they were kind of the bullpen was kind of the punching bag of this team for the mm-hmm. last couple has has been for the last couple of years. Yep. Um, and yeah, guy Swanson sub two ERA, uh, 70 strikeouts, and I believe 53 in a third innings, you know, that mm-hmm. was another big complaint that not enough strikeouts out of the bullpen. Yep. Um, and, and you know, you know, you hear this drives me nuts is you'll hear, Oh, well that was a fluke season <laughs> <laughs> or that might be a fluke. Uh, as someone who's played the game, anyone who's watched the game, played yeah. the game, understands the game, you don't have a fluke season in Major League Baseball. You don't get through 50 something appearances and post those kinds of numbers as a fluke. Will he repeat that? Probably not, to be honest with you, but he's still going to be a valuable piece of the bullpen. Um, and then Mako, a very highly rated prospect. Um, very, you know, I did a lot of reading up on him and a lot of people feel very highly of him. And I think something that people aren't considering is that's the exact kind of arm that someone wants at the deadline, a uh, uh, rebuilding team at the deadline, looking to, you know, for whether it's a rental or a bigger name player, guys like Adam Mack are the types that are, you know, going to get that. Um, or you keep him and see what he develops into. I, I really, I think that was a sneaky acquisition there, to get him in that deal. Um, and obviously being Canadian, I'll, I'm all for it.
0: And it sounded like regarding Macko that the Jays back in 2019 around the draft really wanted him. Um, and so this is someone that they've, it's sort of a recurring theme with the Jays. They, they want their guys, right. They, they do a lot of scouting and a lot of prep and they'll keep on guys, you know? So in the case of Mako, this was someone that they had been keeping an eye on for a while. And I totally agree with you, whether it's to acquire um, a big league piece at the deadline or whether it's just to have more organizational depth when it comes to, uh, pitching prospects, neither one hurts.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's hard to, to. Fault fans for not knowing who Adam Mako is. I mean, sure. we sit here and we, we dive into these players consistently, but you know, there's so many players in Major League Baseball, so many minor league prospects. You don't know who's going to hit. It's probably the most it is the most unpredictable of any sport um, of trying to figure out who's going to actually make it. Uh, but I feel very confident this is either going to be a nice piece to move, or he's going to be a nice long term piece for the team.
0: And so when you pair that with the addition of Eric Swanson, and, and given what you said regarding Hernandez and his contract and the fact that he's a free agent at the end of 2023, you start to look at it. And it's like, well, that actually does make a lot of sense then for what this team needs, right? The team doesn't necessarily need, especially after the rest of the moves they made, a ton of thump in their lineup. What they need right now is run prevention. And so Eric Swanson does that and Adam Mako provides some development in the minors um, or some potential for development in the minors. He was at high A last year, and you'd expect that perhaps at some point this year he'll make his way to double A. So, you know, there's a guy who's not too, too far away from the bigs, and lots of strikeouts coming from the left side never hurts.
1: And we're going to talk about run prevention plenty, yeah. you know, with Kiermaier and Bar show, you know, a little bit later, but it still stands true. A run saved is just as good as a run scored, <laughs> and I think people don't yeah. necessarily think about it that way.
0: Well, exactly. There'll be more 3-1 wins. There'll be more 4-2 wins this year, as opposed to having to outslug your way to a victory, which happened a lot in the last few years, not just in 2022. Um, so when it comes to Teoscar, obviously I think one thing that people will remember a lot about him is he he had a huge game too in the wildcard game, if you recall. Um, he was a monster in that game. and And that power will be missed, by the way, at points for sure. But this is someone who's replaceable, let's be honest not good defensively well below average defensively not good on the base pass prone to a number of mistakes out there both on the base pass and defensively and as we know in playoff baseball and, and just big games you can't be making those mistakes and I don't think that necessarily that was the reason Task was traded I think it was more the whole picture coming into to scope for the Jays and and if you recall, this was one of the first big moves of the baseball offseason in general. So they really set the market here. And uh, it was clear that the Jays wanted to get out in front of it and and make this move.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I look back and I don't think, I think Taos is a, a pretty consistent player at this point in his career. But I look, you know, to last offseason and you watch guys like Marcus Simeon walk. Yeah. And you think, oh, what? how are we going to replace that? Yeah. And then you look at the start that Simeon got off to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in baseball, performances can be very unpredictable at times, and you know what you get one year. I, I just talked about flukes. It, it is you'll see these guys; they're very talented. They're going to put up consistent numbers, but it's not always necessarily like we talked about with Vladdy that year. Like you're not going to get that year, the 2021 Vladdy mm-hmm. every single year. That's just mm-hmm. not the way it's going to work. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and especially in terms of betting on a guy in the future, you know, I'm sure they thought about giving Teoscar an extension at a reasonable number, but I think for both parties, that probably wasn't something that was of interest. Teoscar, I mean, power hitters who don't play great defense in the corner don't exactly age well, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so I think that, and it's not like he has a ton of speed or anything. He just seems like one of those guys who isn't exactly going to uh, have a super great, last few years of his career and i think that when it comes to a free agency deal it's frankly it's hard to project uh, and someone will give him probably a decent chunk of cash especially depending on the year he has this year but not a guy that is going to uh, cost you too much in the future i don't think
1: not with guys coming up that are going to be free agents that are more of a core piece than absolutely Tay oscar
0: right and it's and just there's already so much money tied up in the future um, You know, and now you're going to have Varsho controllable through 26. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But yeah, you're right. This team is already spending a lot of money. Currently, they're close to, if not in the top five in Major League Baseball payrolls. Right. So and that's before Vlad and, and Bo and potentially Manoa extensions. Right. So it's it really just starts to add up. And that's not factoring in all the renovations that they're doing. And like they're spending on this team but you gotta look at the whole picture here. And part of that picture was the next move they made, uh, signing Kevin Kiermaier uh, to a one year, $9 million deal. Now, formerly a bit of a villain to this fan base. Um, So this was met with a little bit of skepticism, especially considering his injury history. But you know, Matt, I think given what we just talked about, run prevention, everything else, this move actually made a lot of sense for the Jays.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, you look at the number, what was it, was it right on 9 million? Yes, believed Uh, to be
0: 9 million, yes.
1: This is going to sound insane, but that's not a lot of money in today's Major League totally. Baseball for yep. one year. And and you hear people say all the time, there's no such thing as a bad one year contract, you know, because <laughs> he's coming off the books at the end of the year. If he plays well, you know, you can, you know, there's versatility there. Um, it's not like they locked him up for five years at nine million a year. I mean, there's, you take a flyer on the guy and it's weird to say, take a flyer on Kevin Kiermaier, but you know, he's going to play good defense. You know that. Um, and that's kind of what you were looking for.
0: For me, a big part of this deal, too, is uh, the experience, right? You get a guy who's who's been around the block for a long time in the AL East. You know, I, I don't know how much that necessarily matters, but he's comfortable in all the ballparks, etc. Has a lot of familiarity with Toronto, right? And in some good ways and some bad. Of course, we had the uh, the Jays scouting report card drama in late September of 2021. I'd imagine that a lot of that is water under the bridge. I hope at this point for Jays fans, it's not that big of a deal, uh, it didn't really come back to bite them, I don't think. Yeah, and I, move on. You know, that's yeah, what I, I
1: had almost forgotten about that. To be right. Honest. And again, like we talked about, I think a big part of this deal is getting Springer out of center field every yeah. day. Yeah. Um, Springer will still play center field, I would assume. You know, here and there, but he's he's primarily going to be a corner guy. And <laughs> if that can help keep him healthy, or you know, give him some more consistency on the field as far as staying healthy, I think that's uh, well worth it. I think again, this is a a deal that had many factors go into
0: it. Yeah. And, and certainly some risk, uh, as you said, not a big, not in terms of contract, 9 million bucks for uh, a a major league team is not that much in today's day and age, but he, you know, he's, he had right hip surgery in July of last year. Okay. This is a guy who plays a premium defensive position. He has for a long time turns 33 in April. Um, not going to do much offensively. You're not going to get much in the way of offensive production, um, so there is a little bit of concern there. Like again, the issue would be if Springer is is out, let's say for a little bit, and then also Kiermaier's out for a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you end up kind of in a similar situation as you did last year. But you'd like to think you're increasing the odds that one of them can stay healthy. <laughs> That's the goal, I think here. And again, like Kiermaier is literally one of the best defensive center fielders of his era of the last ten years. Okay. Um, you know, if obviously Jays fans would recall back, uh, the mid 2010s when Kevin Pillar was competing with Kiermaier and Trout for gold gloves and center field in the American league. And it was often Kiermaier who would win that battle because he ranked in the top, uh, you know, 99th percentile when <laughs> they the top 1%, I guess, in this case, when it came to outs above average and outfield jump and, and sprint speed and everything else. And so this is a guy who provides that pedigree and also by all accounts, is a pretty good clubhouse presence too. So adds a little bit of experience by by that measure as well. Again, that's obviously hard to quantify. We are not in the clubhouse. We do not know uh, what goes on in there or, or how much that matters, but I'm sure it can't hurt. He still provides a lot of speed as well. Um, and again, the biggest thing with him is he stays healthy. I, I think his floor as a nice addition to this team is pretty high.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is guys can hit the bottom of the lineup at yeah. the end of the day and play hopefully – well, you know, he's going to play good defense. I don't even say hopefully, but we talk a lot about health and it absolutely needs to be considered going in the off season. But if that was your only measure, you'd sign 150 guys every off because totally. baseball, <laughs> you know, look at, look at the ILs every year in baseball. So yeah. it obviously needs to be considered, needs to be taken seriously, but at the same time, you got to balance that with the quality mm-hmm. of the player that you're going to get.
0: And you hope that having just had hip surgery that he's good to go, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, so we kind of look at it now you're starting to see sort of a picture form now at this point of the off season there was clearly still sort of a gap when it came to that offensive production right so you're thinking okay yes they've they've I hope it's not just Kiermaier replacing Teoscar right now of course in the middle of the off season it's it's hard to when you're in the eye of the storm it's hard to really get out and have that whole perspective you kind of have to wait till the off season's finished but you know another big move that That I think was a big surprise. Um, Kiermaier was a minor surprise, but you knew that the Jays were kind of going to be interested in getting a good defensive outfielder. uh, And that is Kiermaier. Um, But they bring in Don Mattingly as a bench coach, uh, obviously of Yankees fame of, you know, the Dodger manager for a while, Marlins manager for a while for me, Matt, this came out of complete nowhere.
1: Yeah, I did not see this one coming. And the big thing that I saw was while well, he's coming in to be under Schneider and if right. Schneider can't get the job done, <laughs> Mattingly's sitting there. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think the more uh, experienced big league minds you can have in a in a dugout, the better. Schneider's, you know, a young guy that plays, you know, likes to, you know, push the envelope a little bit on the field and, and Mattingly's a little bit of that, you know, kind of an old school guy. So we'll see how it works. But I don't think that was necessarily the reason for the move.
0: No, I, I just think it's a, it's an example of stockpiling experience, right? And and a guy who's, you know, been around the block in Mattingly, he's been in pretty much every situation you could probably be in as a big leaguer. You know what I mean? And It was funny. I remember saying to a couple of friends, well, there's your left-handed hitter right there. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know, a guy who won nine gold gloves at first base. I'm sure him and Vladi will get along tremendously. Um, I thought a unique angle too, of course, playing with the Yankees, uh, and now he's in a division where there's going to be a bit of a rivalry against the Yankees. I think that's a fun little storyline to follow throughout the year. But what really got me, I think, excited about this move was what Manny talked about in his opening uh, press conference slash Zoom call. Ross Atkins just called him up for a chat and, and that's what piqued his interest right away. He said, I thought that was interesting. I, I just didn't expect that.
1: Yeah. And I think it, it goes to show that Don Manny wouldn't come up here to be a bench coach i don't think on sixty-win team no, i exactly. think he believes that this is an opportunity and like you said it piqued his interest right away probably because you watch the jays win 92 games and
0: yeah.
1: lose in the card round Like this is a chance to win a world series that is the expectation whether you like it you know ross atkins and Shapiro or not um they've shown that they're gonna spend and they're gonna do what they need to build a winning team uh right. whether they've done that or not will be decided on the field uh but you, you don't you can't fault them for not trying or not um, looking at all angles and and trying to make the team
0: better. And as you said, regarding Schneider, I mean, sure, you have a, you have a guy with a ton of more experience behind him and lurking or whatever he, the term you want to use. I, I think it's more about having like a great sounding board for Schneider to bounce ideas off of, you know, I, the Jays always talk about being collaborative, right. And making decisions as a group and the modern day, major league team everything's made lineup decisions aren't made just by the manager sitting in his office by himself
1: right yeah
0: this is a team effort i think this is another step in getting a different voice into the room a guy with a ton of experience bit of an old school sort of mentality I, i remember tweeting you know what's he gonna think of the home run jacket right um but i do wonder if that is kind of a part of the theme of this jay's off season where they're moving towards more experience more sort of serious you know old school type which I'm not saying is good or bad. It's just a little different than what we've seen here the last few years.
1: You know what? It's funny. I'm glad you brought that up because I, before we got on here, I was thinking about that, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I buy that. Like mm-hmm. the having fun, like like having too much fun. Right. Like I get it. It <laughs> optically sometimes I can see how that really rubs the mm-hmm. the old school fan the wrong way. But I, as far as results on the field, I think that was overblown. But again, Mattingly brings all this experience to this team now right it's a a different voice than snyder snyder has managed and coached a lot of these guys coming up mattingly is not um so it's a sometimes when you know i find in any in any line of work when you're too when you're so invested in the guys that you have sometimes you don't notice things that an outside outsider might see so i think it's more about that and the the experience can't be understated and I think it's a good move for the Jays. I really do. And I don't think Schneider has anything to worry about. I mean, if he goes out and wins 70 games, he's going to have something to worry about anyways. So, No
0: kidding. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, this is a win now team, regardless of if Mattingly's here or not. Right. And that pressure will remain. I I totally agree with you. We only see what, like 10% maybe of like all the team's interactions throughout the season. And that might be a little liberal in saying 10%. Like you don't know what's really going on. You don't know how much uh you know their seriousness or lack of seriousness factors in i mean just because someone smiles doesn't mean that they're not taking it seriously you know yeah
1: and and there's there's people that will say the other thing guys that are too serious are you know that that's an issue Mm -hmm. you know the the boston red sox were wheeling each other around in a laundry cart (laughs) yeah who cares what does it matter i mean what you had fun when you hit a home run yeah you're not what do you i don't know it's an old school mindset that is i think is getting weeded out of the game and I'm probably somewhere in the middle. Like, would I wheel myself around in a laundry cart or put on a WWE belt? You know, probably not. Um, but if that's truly who you are as a person and as a player, and it's not faked or a show, then there's nothing wrong with that.
0: And obviously nuance is important, right? Not everything is black and white. Like maybe there was aspects, maybe there was points of the season. Obviously Montoyo got fired and maybe that was a point of the season where they did feel that they lacked some leadership and had to make a change. Maybe when they had a really rocky uh, August, uh, there was that Angels series where they got completely wiped in front of three straight 40,000 attendance crowds. You know, maybe that was something maybe there was a talk after that hey we, you know we need to step it up and take things more so i don't know again we're not in there but i think by and large like these are major league players right like if you get to the majors you take the sport seriously
1: <laughs> yeah i think that's that's the thing is those two <laughs> things can go hand in hand you can still have those conversations when yep. those things happen and still have fun with the home run jacket yeah right exactly. it doesn't have to be one or the other and i think that's kind of where this team is gone mm-hmm. it's It's not going to be one or the other. They both can happen at the same
0: time. Yeah, there can be two truths. You can take the game seriously and also celebrate a lot when you do something great. Baseball's hard, and I think players can celebrate how they want to. it would be interesting to learn about the guy and and a little bit about what he is doing. I hope that um, Sportsnet does some cool features and stuff on Mattingly, because there would be a lot I think that fans would be interested in to learn. And now, a word from the Baseball Zone, as their 20th annual Baseball Zone Swing in a Spring March Break Baseball Camp is coming soon. TBZ welcomes all players aged 5 to 13 years old to join the zone's coaches for some baseball fun. They can develop skills while also having fun and, of course, appreciating the great game. So get out of the house and join the Baseball Zone the week of March 13th to 17th. So we've talked a lot about kind of the lineup and the hitters and how and the outfield defense and just rejigging things a little bit, building on this core. But now we kind of let's take a little bit of look at the rotation here, because, you know, you you kind of look at this this rotation last year uh, heading into the season. I think people were really, really optimistic. Right. You've got obviously Gosman and Manoa, right. Two horses up front. You've got Barrios, who prior to last year was expected to be you know, one of the most consistent pitchers in all of baseball. Right. You've got and then you've got Yusei Kikuchi and Ross Stripling, who, you know, you'd hope that you have some reliability and upside there. Now, that didn't all happen. Right, Barrios and Kikuchi were both disasters last year. Barrios struggled. He just got hit really hard. His fastball had a lot of issues last year. And Kikuchi was just a uh, unmitigated disaster. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and so they needed some reliability in that rotation. I think I think they needed some consistency. And so they went out and spent big to get it. They signed Chris Bassett to a three-year, $63 million deal, $21 million a year for a guy in his mid-30s. That's a lot. But when you take a look at what Bassett provides, it's exactly what this team needs, Matt. Consistency, lots of ground balls, lots of innings, and experience.
1: Yeah, and I think they address the bullpen, you know, partially with Swanson like we talked about earlier. But really there's two ways to address a bullpen if Mm -hmm. it needs addressing. You either add innings at the back end, quality innings, or you add more innings in the rotation. And that's what they did here. I think Bass had over 180 innings. Yep. Barrios is an inning eater. Gosman, mm-hmm. Manoa, you know, can push 200 innings each. So that's just more innings that you're taking and pressure you're taking off of the bullpen if these guys perform.
0: Like you said, I mean, having now all these different options in the rotation, right? You really have four guys banking on Barrios bouncing back a little bit and, and not having quite as much of a disaster as last year which I think should be expected from a guy who who has such a good track record as Barrios had. I mean, you have four really, really quality pitchers in that rotation. And you know what? There could still be room at the deadline if Kikuchi or Mitch White or whoever else is in that fifth spot isn't working out. You have room to go and add another at the deadline here. Yeah,
1: and I just pulled it up. Um, Do We talk about bounce backs. And and I would be shocked if Barrios didn't bounce back to be – you know he's looking at like the number four stars. He might be the best number four starter in baseball this year.
0: Very well could I mean, be, yeah.
1: He had I think six years before last year that were super consistent. That could be a huge pickup by the Jays that they didn't even pick up. Uh, that's just sitting there and he's going to bounce back. So, and if he can do that, and you're looking at Manoa, Gosman, Bassett, Barrios, if you would have told me that lat going into last year, that's the best rotation. Potentially no in baseball.
0: No kidding. And I mean, what are you going to get from Kikuchi this year? Could it possibly be as bad as last year? Maybe. But even if it's a bit of a step up, there could be a role there where he's sort of a long reliever, or he could he could be your fifth starter at least early on in the season uh, to get his feet wet, if you will.
1: Yeah, and I think you know Blue Jays fans will complain about this, but there's going into spring training. There's no way he's not going to get an opportunity. I don't For think sure. to be that fifth starter. You know, you see Mitch White, but how much more consistent is that? there might be some guys emerge, you know, you never know. But uh, I think Kikuchi's probably going to get the first crack at being that fifth guy. And if the top four perform the way they're capable, it may not matter, to right. be honest, um, exactly. what you get out of Kikuchi or what you get out of that number five spot.
0: And again, that's something that will likely be a bigger concern, like in the first half of the season, because second half, first of all, like come playoff time, your rotation is, is smaller anyways. But, you know, second half, I would expect that, if that's an issue, they will go and acquire a starting pitcher. I mean, you don't go all in this much to then be like, well, we can't acquire another starter. So they certainly will. So And also, think about Hyunjin Ryu maybe coming back in August. I know that might be a little um, optimistic, but there's a possibility there. Ricky Tiedemann, the star of Jays prospect, could he come up at some point in July, August? Now, maybe not. And again, banking on <laughs> pitchers who've never pitched in the bigs to just step into a, a rotation spot is not always smart thinking but there's a lot of options there I mean we could do the Nate Pearson circus again for what the fourth year in a row talking about how he could be in the rotation <laughs> um so there's options there
1: I mean yeah you, you say you know and a Tiedemann uh coming up late and, and stepping up it's not it's not like it's never happened before yeah totally I mean look look at the Tampa Bay you know David Price made his debut in the playoffs
0: and so that's really something to to consider, too, when it comes to the rotation. But this just adds so much quality. Um, and and he's old school, Bassett is. You know, when it comes to it, he. that's why he probably will age well. And another good experience bet to have, because he doesn't really rely on his velocity. You know, he'll sit sort of low 90s, um, great command, lots of pitches, um, and he limits hard contact, right? He gets ground balls, he gets out of innings.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, and ground balls at Rogers Center, that's where you need to keep them. So, yeah. And I like the three-year deal. I don't think it's too much, but I also didn't mind the three-year Kikuchi deal. So not saying that (laughs) that's going to happen to Bassett, but it's relatively low risk as far as term.
0: Totally. And and as we just touched on the consistency and everything else, I mean, if he were to completely blow up next year, it would be a surprise for, I think, pretty much everybody. So the Bassett deal for me was pretty much one that was probably the most liked of the offseason. Hard to not like it, right? At this point, you can really start to see kind of the theme of the offseason emerging run prevention, right? But now it's like, okay, well, they seem to have the rotation mostly settled, right? They added a piece to the bullpen. Now what? You know, what's next? And so it kind of got quiet for a while there. And there had been talk about the Blue Jays and Arizona linking up, right? Because Arizona could use some catching depth and they have lots of outfield depth. The Jays have lots of catching and needed an outfielder, ideally someone who could hit left-handed. So it did seem to be a natural match there. Now, obviously, there was there were a lot of possibilities, right? And and the catcher logjam for the Jays was one of the biggest themes of the offseason. Who are you going to move? Jansen, Kirk, or Moreno? I mean, that debate was very fascinating, Matt, because one could argue to trade each one, right? You could make an argument for Moreno. You could make an argument for Kirk or for Jansen. Um, and they chose Moreno on Festivus, making a huge deal on December 23rd, acquiring Dalton Varsho for Gurriel, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno. Gurriel, a bit of a surprise addition to this deal. But before we get too much into sort of the Varsho angle, I want to talk a little bit about that catcher log jam um, and why you think they did choose Moreno. Me personally, I think this is a win-now move. This tells me that the Jays think, look, Moreno isn't going to help us in 2023 as much as a guy like Jansen or Kirk will, or Varsho for that matter. So when you look at it like that, it does make a lot of sense, but... This one definitely carries some risk.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. And I think it goes to show potentially what they think Moreno can be. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not in the offseason. They don't ask us. They know a lot more than, but that's a big, a big piece to give up, a big future piece to give up. Um, but yeah, you have Jansen. I didn't think, I never thought it was going to be Jansen, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Just his relationship with the pitching staff, the way he handles them. Mm-hmm. Bat turned around last year. I thought maybe Kirk, just because you were going to try and capitalize on about as high as his value was going to be. And then it ended up being Moreno. So, um, again, you got to give to get. You trade from positions of depth. This is exactly what this was for both teams. I thought maybe it was going to be Alec Thomas coming from the Diamondbacks. Uh, But show again, run prevention um, and some pop that will probably only play better at Rogers Centre.
0: Yeah, and, and a guy who so transitioning to Varsho, then I mean you give up a lot for sure—a blue chip prospect in Moreno and a, a serviceable big leaguer in Guriel and above average hitter. But what you get in Varsho is a blend of so many different wonderful things. <laughs> for a Christmas time trade, here's why. Very poetic with that. But I mean, he put up 4.6 uh, WAR via Fangraphs last year. Uh, that was 26th among all position players. And here's the thing. That was his first real, like, full big league season, okay? So that's something to note already. There, there seems to be a lot of room for growth there. 27 home runs in the NL West. Um, you'd like to think that that's something that, as you said, his his bat will only look better uh, at Rogers Center and, and really in the AL East, although there aren't as many games in the AL East this year, of course. But in addition to sort of the power and the fact that he put up all that, well, the reason he put up all that war is because of his defense, Right, he, is, he was one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball last year. He can play all three positions. He can also catch. So there's another angle. He's also going to be this team's third catcher if necessary. I don't think they want him to catch a lot of games. I think they'd prefer to use him in the outfield. What he does is he gives you so many options when it comes to building different lineups and things like that. He mashes right-handed pitching. He's not very good against lefties, I must say. Um, so when you go into Yankee Stadium and you're taking on Carlos Rodon, It'll be interesting to see kind of how they try to maneuver that. But Varsha is a guy who I don't know if you can measure him just up against Teoscar's offensive production, but in terms of a replacement, I think this is a pretty good one. And a guy who's under team control for four seasons here. So a real blend of of really attractive attributes in Varsho.
1: Yeah. And I think that being under team control is a huge thing. This could be a guy if, you know, you flash forward and I told you he's going to hit 30 home runs and win a gold glove. Yeah. Now, now, what you're giving up in Gurriel, who's about to get paid as well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and the top prospect in Moreno. Prospects are just that, right? There's no. We talked about earlier in baseball. Uh, there's no guarantees about these guys, um, and he may go on to have a very good career. But will he go on to have the same career that Dalton Varsho may have? Who knows? Um, it's kind of the risk you take. If Varsho does what he can do, you know, the high twenties, maybe thirty home runs potentially drive in 75, maybe a hundred that might be pushing it. But, and when a gold glover play excellent defense, I don't think you can look back at this and, you know, look at it as a bad deal.
0: This certainly looks like, as you said, if he, if he becomes sort of this perennial 30 home run hitter, constant gold glove nominee and wins a couple gold gloves in the outfield, Um, in Toronto and and look, he plays the game hard. You know what I mean? He he gives 110% every play. That'll that'll work well in Toronto with sort of a, a hockey type crowd that enjoys that, you know, enjoys the grit and the guys who, you know, work their asses off and and will put their body on like all those cliches. But it's true. Like he will he could be a fan favorite here, but not just that. He could be a very, very effective piece of their future. Because again, if you want Springer to stay in right field beyond this year. Kiermaier is not going to be around forever. There's your future center fielder right there, and a guy who can hit for some power
1: too. So, and and you mentioned you know facing the left, he's not very good against left-handed hitters. A lot of left-handed hitters aren't very good against exactly. left-handed pitching. Yeah. Um, but saying that, you know, when you roll in the Yankees team, like he's too good defensively to totally. potentially even worry about that. Right. Um, I think he's going to play every day. I think he's going to be a key part in the lab, righty, lefty, you know, whatever it may be, because of that defense. And who knows, you know, still, you know, relatively young in his career, not even a thousand at-batch yet, I don't think. So who knows, maybe he figures it out against lefties. Maybe he comes to Toronto. You know, we've seen guys do that before. Teoscar, Jose Batista. not saying he's going to turn into that, but a change of scenery sometimes, a different perspective from a coaching staff, all could make a difference in that. And regardless, you're getting good defense. He doesn't have to worry about the left-handed pitching when he's roaming the outfield.
0: For me, this, this certainly carries risk. Like, again, I could paint a picture where instead of being that perennial power threat, great defense, he gets hurt a lot, right? Because of sort of a bigger frame and because he plays the game so intensely. But again, you could say that about everybody, right? Injuries are random. Injuries are a part of sports um, and certainly a part of baseball. But, you know, if Moreno turns into the next Buster Posey down in Arizona and Varsho is just a guy who's good defensively, but strikes out too much, sort of like a, I don't want to, I don't want to say Colby Rasmus, but, you know, you know what I mean? It could go that way too, but this is a risk you take if you're a win-now team.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned, it's funny, you mentioned the name Colby Rasmus. That's, that's someone I haven't thought about in a while, but yeah, I mean, that's that's part of a trade. You know what I mean? It's yeah. You don't win them all and and you look back and at the time when they traded Boreos for Simeon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin, I mean, people questioned that and Boreos had a great end of that season and now who knows what people think about that after last season so like so many things can happen um it, it's hard to it's hard to project and that's why we sit here you know with our mics and try to do our best but that's just the way it goes
0: certainly easier said than done when it comes to those kinds of things and and to give you another example of a prospect who taught prospect who still hasn't worked out nate pearson right close to home um you just never know with these guys so well
1: what are you going to get out of him i mean pitching right some guys are late bloomers. You know, it's not easy to pitch to big league hitters. Is that a guy that can come into the bullpen and make some noise? Hard thrower, what, they, what they've what lacked, really, other than Romano. Um, so who knows?
0: Yeah, and, and you hope regarding Pearson that, you know, they're, they're sort of done with the whole starter's dream with him, maybe. But, like, I think he's better as a, like, multi-inning, once through the lineup, just pumping 100 in there. And and getting some outs, I think, and, and bridging just sort of the back end of that bullpen, I think, is a perfect role for him, and that would help him hopefully stay healthy too, because that's been a huge part of his career.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, and it's that's kind of something going to spring training that people may not be talking about as much, but Nate Pearson's going to do. Uh, but that again, that could be another huge pickup that was didn't cost you anything.
0: And there could still be more moves regarding the bullpen and things like that. And uh, you know, sometimes the low key additions in the bullpen are the ones that have the biggest impacts, but. Another kind of low-key acquisition. that The Tampa
1: Bay Rays about the bullpen. There you go, exactly. Nate, you know, ask ask an average baseball fan to name five guys in the Rays bullpen most years and they can't do it. So, and it's one of the best in baseball every year. So that just goes to show.
0: And Tampa also shows that there's different ways to win games, right? They're all about run prevention, good defense, timely hitting, yes, but you better play good defense and pitch really well. And I think that that's a reason why they're constantly a winning team. Speaking of winning teams, though, uh, the Jays also later on in the offseason, more recently, picked up a two-time World Series champion, former San Francisco Giant, uh, Brandon Bell. And so here's a guy who who comes in another lefty, right? Another proven veteran, right? With playoff experience, big game experience. This is a guy who's had a fantastic career and and puts together really good at-bats. Now, positionally, it's sort of an intriguing fit, right? Because obviously the Jays are set at first with Laddie um belt to me doesn't seem like a guy you want to put in left field very much if when you have guys like Varsho and Kiermaier so it's going to be interesting to see um you know how that shakes out but on a one-year 9.3 million dollar deal just a, a clubhouse leader right and a guy who wants to be here I think that that's a also something that that this offseason has proved is like there's guys who are choosing to play here Kiermaier picked Toronto over the Dodgers Belt, I don't know how many other suitors he had, but he wanted to come here. Don Mattingly wanted to come here. Um that is also really Bassett, another guy who was willing to come here. I don't know what kind of suitors he had, but you know you you look at Belt and you look at what he's capable of, especially in 2020 and 2021. You know, really really impressive stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think again we're going to talk about health. We said you can't really predict health, but we're going to talk about it again with Belt coming off the knee injury, right? So if and he says he's healthy, and if he is, then I, I love this deal. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think he, he sees any time in the outfield. Um, it's a it's a first base DH type of thing. Yeah. Um, but gets Vladdy off his feet sometimes, you know, more than capable of playing first. Another left-handed bat. Um, so I again a one-year deal at nine point three million. Like I said with Kiermaier, I really don't see a downside to this. I thought it was a fantastic pickup.
0: And he said he expects to primarily DH. um, And I'm sure he'll come off the bench a good amount as well. Um, But again, if Brandon belts coming off your bench, like that's pretty good. And that's very, very impressive depth. And, And so that's really what this is about too, is creating more depth, giving yourself more options off the bench, giving yourself more options to create unique lineups. If there's a day where you want to DH Guerrero jr. And play belt at first, You know, you can do that if you want, but as a DH, you know, hopefully Springer will need less less time DHing this year Um, with him and right field. Obviously Teoscar isn't around anymore. Gurriel had some time at DH. So those two are gone. Um, Kiermaier certainly won't DH much. So there is some room there. Uh, Even with Moreno gone now, Kirk will still DH a bit, but you've got, you've got a lot more sort of room for playing time for a guy like Belt. And I think a guy you want to create playing time for.
1: Yeah, I don't think you leave a guy like Brandon Belt on the market. You know, when you when he's there and he opened to one year nine point three million, um, like we said with the track record that he has, um, you'd almost be ridiculous not to make the phone call. Um, and yeah, I don't see. Again, I think this is a, a under the radar pickup that could have big upside for the Jays this year.
0: So that's it as of now. Obviously, um, there could still be some big deals to come about, but those feel like the big major deals of the off season. So uh, as we wrap things up, some conclusions, I I think for one, it's as I touched on briefly, like the Jays are willing to spend. Um, Currently, if you look on spot track, they are fifth in major league baseball luxury tax payrolls.
1: Yeah. uh, Like I said, they're, they've shown that they want to win and they're willing to spend whether they spent in the right places, uh, you know, a championship, you know, (laughs) will will tell you that. But there's only one winner at the end of the year. I mean, you got to do what you need to do to put yourself in the best situation. I think they truly believe they've done that and they will continue to do that, um, whether it's at the the deadline or before the season, uh, you know, gets going.
0: And And I think what they project as to now is a more complete team, a team that is more prepared for October, a team that clearly has more leadership, more experience, which I don't think you can have enough of. And I think they've addressed a lot of their shortcomings from last year. They probably won't be the same offensive team, although if guys like Farsho pan out and belt, then maybe you are talking about that, but it just gives them more ways to win. They can win a game 4-2 or 3-1 or 6-5, but as opposed to the last few years where, you know, they couldn't necessarily rely on their pitching and defense as much as they probably will be able to this year, which is, I think, a welcome change for Jays fans.
1: Yeah, I think the the term I would use for the lineup would be more dynamic. Yeah. Um, it seems... I don't want to say stale, but it seemed like they were all in the same lineup out there. And when they were struggling, they were really struggling. And I think there's enough in this lineup now, um, to kind of give them that versatility and and they can find different ways to produce runs.
0: So that belt wraps it up. Obviously, uh, you know, they could maybe use another bullpen piece, probably another bench outfielder who can mash lefties, things like that. But we appreciate you joining us here for our CBM podcast, Jay's Offseason Recap with Jackson Farrow and Matt Betts. Lots of fun, right, Matt?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, if you disagree or agree with anything that we've said when the, yeah. when we tweet this out, feel free to comment. We're always down for the, the Blue Jays banter. So we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did.
0: And if you enjoy this type of content, just me and Matt hanging out, chatting, talking about things baseball, um, I think you can look forward to some more of that this year. We plan to do some more of that. And also, uh, if you have any ideas for us of things to chat about, just the two of us, please be sure uh, to let us know. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian Baseball Network for extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. And The Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB pro, college and youth baseball players.